There's a line in the Tao Te Ching that says, darkness within darkness, the gateway to all understanding. We've talked a lot about radiance, right? Which is more associated normally in our minds with the light. What about the cooling, the dark, the restful? potent, unmanifested. Before the dawn of the light, the light's what we notice usually. The light makes things visible, literally. And we might see the light literally in each other. Sometimes you can see it in each other's eyes, especially when they're a little clearer after a retreat sometimes. You might look in the mirror tomorrow morning and they might see, oh gosh, you ever seen that? There's a lot of light coming out of human beings. And that's what can attract us or dazzle us or illuminate us. All those, all those things. What is this darkness within darkness, the gateway to all understanding? Somebody left a note, actually, I was interested. There's a number of notes, very interesting questions, but some of you haven't signed them. So um, you may or may not get an answer in a Dharma talk, right? It's a risk if you don't sign it. But somebody said something like, uh, can you have uh, too much boundless heart, too boundless and open and radiant? Can it be too much that way? She said, because mine, I wonder if mine is, because it, like that and then it has the opposite effect she said or he said can't remember who wrote it like the Midas touch right so I had to look up the Midas touch just now <laughs> Wikipedia it's like what was that with him it's like everything he touches turns to gold right and from what I, I mean the person who wrote the note might need to um, clarify for me but how I took it to me and I thought oh that's very interesting because what happened, as I read with King Midas, was that he was very proud of this capacity to turn things to gold. Seemed like a really good skill, right? Um, but then, if you don't know the story, at least this is the one I read on Wikipedia, forgive me if it's, if it's wrong, um, that in that pride and that sort of delighted with himself kind of thing, he... He's having a banquet and turns the food into gold. And then he starts to starve, right? And then he has a whole process that goes on, as, as we do, right, as humans. Um, uh, and he turned his da- daughter into gold. So that which gives life, that which is in relationship, all of that got not 
of any relational value, not nourishing anymore. What I took from it, and maybe what the person meant in their note, is something about how, well, here's how I heard it. Even with the beautiful qualities that arise, if we take hold of them as belonging to me or about me, and this can be very subtle sometimes, it's just a way as the, the, the spiritual pride, um, we'll, we'll do it, you know, something beautiful arises and it's like, oh, that's, that's beautiful, that's me now, right? But actually, what we see is the clarifying of this conduit for life that we are. None of it belongs to us. And if I take hold, not just of the difficult, but if I also take hold of that which is beautiful and illuminating, and just, you know, believe that's who I am, that there'll be some pain in that. We'll stop. Uh, re- we'll, we'll forget to remember the realm that we also belong to of the human and animal kingdoms. We'll think we're a god or an angel or something, which we are, but we're also very human. <laughs> At least I am, and we have this animal also. I can. We have all of that. The totality that that conduit can be cleared in the service of life. So how does the dark play a part in that? It's to let ourselves rest. And again, I may be misinterpreting this person's note, but sometimes when we get the idea that we have a beautiful heart that needs to do its thing out there, we might become dependent on that. We might only feel ourselves when we're able to serve in the light, when we're able to be seen in our brightness. And here it can be brightness in many ways, you know, the, the, the radiance of what we are. Yes, it can be this beautiful heart, but it's the same light that lights up the head center that can become brilliance, that can become articulation, that become seeing. It's the same light. Can we rest? What would it be? Because we cannot be dependent on that in the end. It will fade. It will fade. We will return to the earth on the bodily level. These faculties may fade and dwindle. We can't even claim the radiance as a perch for me can we take our hands off and let ourselves rest not even becoming spiritual the peace that the Buddha speaks about is the end of becoming anything And the end of avoiding 
becoming. So that this conduit, as we sit in the stillness and the darkness of the unmanifested potentiality of this life, can move through and keep changing. How are you going to be breathed today? How is the life going to manifest through your heart-mind today? What is this breath? How is it shaping you as you sit there? How is it bringing you into relationship? How is it bringing you into rest and solitude? Can we listen as much to the dark? That's not so audible to our ears, not so dazzling to our eyes. This is a poem from a Swedish poet, Thomas Transtorma. Tired, tired of all who come with words, words but no language, I go to the snow-covered island. The wild does not have words. The unwritten pages spread out on every side. I come upon the tracks of roe deer's hooves in the snow. Language, but no words. Is there any part of you that's attracted to what the conceiving mind cannot get its head around? Is any part of you drawn to not being able to wrap your head around yourself and existence? Do you feel that yearning at all, that call? Sometimes it's described or poetically called like the whisper. It's almost like a whisper of the deathless nature, that in which there is no coming or going, where all things have come to rest and cease. And all the potentialities of all new dawnings, all new brightnesses can be born again and again, day by day, into the light and can cease moment by moment, letting ourselves cease. Not annihilating ourselves, not making ourselves wrong, not trying to get rid of ourselves, not at all. But letting that unstoppable, dynamic flow of taking birth and dropping back and dying back as the breath keeps teaching us about stillness, about silence, if we dare to listen, if we get the taste of what that's pointing to. That's peaceful. And here, where things can rest, it takes courage. We had the teaching that it takes courage to 
did it take courage for? <laughs> it takes courage to keep showing up, doesn't it? It takes courage for everything. But we had joy. Joy, and to feel joy, even. To feel joy, right. To let those come through takes courage. To let ourselves not know takes courage. To not know this kind of dark gateway of potentiality. That not knowing is not a mistake. Not a vague not knowing, not a wishy-washy not knowing, but a not knowing that has not yet been conceived. That takes courage. It takes courage to rest, to let go of the light, to let go of the life in every breath. In every breath it teaches us the same thing. It's, do- it's born, it has its moment in the sun. Right? The breath it, it invigorates us, it, it livens us, it... Uh, uh, uplifts us and then it drops back and if you have ever watched your mind with the mindfulness of breathing for most people the place their mind wanders for most people see if it's true for you is at tail end of the out breath the breath that reminds us of ceasing of dropping back where I'm not having my day in the sun anymore And we might be drawn to that, but there's something courageous about following that teacher, actually. Immediately, in the immediacy. This is from Wendell Berry. It's called The Peace of Wild Things. When despair for the world comes upon me and I awake at the slightest sound, in fear of what my life and what my children's lives may be. I go down to where the wood drake rests in his beauty on the water and where the great heron feeds. I come into the presence of still water and feel above me the day-blind stars waiting with their light. I come into the peace of wild things who do not tax their lives with the forethought of grief. For a while I rest in the grace of, for a while I rest in the grace of the world and am free. Let's rest together. The rest, not that going in the shed rest, We can go there, but eventually you'll find yourself there, too. Let's rest here, together. To let ourselves taste, actually, the peace of wild things. Is not to opt out is not a capitulation. It's necessary for the light to keep dawning in whatever ways this life wants to show itself through you. Otherwise, we play the same light show 
again and again, and even if it's beautiful, it loses the freshness, the immediacy. Something about us becomes two-dimensional. The heart feels sad. We long to rest and be literally born again, moment by moment, and letting ourselves drop back. Gone, gone, gone and arising again. So can we listen together for a few minutes? Yes, we have the wild thing sitting on this chair. Are you a wild thing? I hope so. Or at least that can be rediscovered in the service of our awakening. As well as a sensitive thing and a bright thing. The wild things, the call. Hearing the sounds And listening to this beautiful, this has been one of my most intimate poems throughout my practice from a Zen nun who must have been 66, I guess, when she wrote it, as you'll hear from what she's pointing us to. She says, For 66 years, these eyes have beheld the changing scenes of autumn. Tell me no more about moonlight. Oh, sorry, ask me no more about moonlight. I have already said enough. Just listen to the sound of the pines and the cedars in a forest where no wind blows. Just listen. to the sound of the pines and the cedars in a forest where no wind blows. And breathe there. We don't have to freeze in the silence. It's teeming with potential and very still. It takes courage to not know. Somebody said in the group today, they normally come to something with an agenda or what they're going to know or find out and they had some intention to, to let that go for a while. And it's not easy. And the person said, yeah, I can see my mind wanting to keep trying to wrap itself around things. And there's nothing wrong with that. The mind is a beautiful organ. The, the intellectual mind is, can be, can be a beautiful organ. But something else is calling us also. So hearing what she's pointing to in her poem, resting, yes, 
wild, sensitive, bright maybe sometimes. <laughs> not wild, not sensitive and dull, that's also welcome. Right? And listening through that, we could say beyond, except that starts to make another concept. But not identifying ourselves or limiting ourselves to any of that. Including it, sensing it, knowing it, and keeping listening. Sensing the fabric like the fabric of our body, our heart, our sensitivity and our brightness shot through with the silence, shot through with the stillness. Enveloped in stillness, from the stillness, including the stillness and the visible manifestation of the stillness. And if none of that makes sense, we're still here. Keep breathing. This intimate embrace with this breath, breath in breath, where in that deepest intimacy all confusion about self and other disappears. It's peaceful. A little bit like a metaphor of black velvet. Everything can be kind of nestled, nuzzled, Imagine the black velvet landscape where you could dive in and through and keep being, keep where the life keeps showing up and pushing you through anew every time. Resting in the black velvet. Peaceful, soft, delicious. This is from the German, German poet Rilke. It's called The Buddha in Glory. So just before I read it, sometimes we have an objection to the stillness as if that would mean we're taken out of life or disappear but in the richness of feeding there at that pond. This is how Rilke understood the Buddha in the glory of the stillness. Center of all centers, core of all cores, almond, self-enclosed and growing sweet. All this universe to the furthest stars and beyond them is your flesh, your fruit. Now you feel how nothing clings to you. Your vast shell reaches into endless space. And there the rich, thick 
fluids rise and flow, illuminating in your infinite peace. A billion stars go spinning through the night, blazing high above your head, but in you is the presence that will be when all the stars are dead. A billion stars go spinning through the night, blazing high above your head, but in you is the presence that will be when all the stars are dead. Breathing and resting together. Getting a taste with this particular outbreath. Sometimes we might see the scrambling of our mental activity saying, yeah, but what about... And, and what if hearing that too, like little fireworks on the night sky, poof, right? Arising and ceasing. No need to judge the thought. It's just doing its job. We want to know the boundless heart. If we want to let ourselves be conduits for the intelligence of the nature of things. We need to know something about stillness. Doesn't mean we always feel it or can perceive it directly. It's also another experience, it also comes and goes. But there's something that can take our hands off our fixation with the fireworks. Take our hands off the fixation with our own mind other people's minds. Do they think that about me? And why are they thinking that? Why are they look at me that way? And why are they saying that? You know that kind of pain that we roll in sometimes? What would it be like to be able to take our hands off that? Ah, as one of my teachers say, what other people think about you is none of your business.
<laughs> oh, okay. What a relief if we really knew that. Because we really don't know anyway, completely. What peace. And then what we think about us is also none of our business. As one of, our te- as one of my teachers, our teachers says actually, everything that your mind comes up with about who it thinks you are, the best, the worst, enlightened, not enlightened, you name it, I'm one of these, I, I'm good at that. I'm not. As a definition, none of it's true, it's just an idea. None of it's who you really are. We are. Not something that can be sealed in a little box. And when we do that to ourselves or to each other, the life goes out of it. Doesn't that? The life goes, the juice disappears, the radiance shuts down. We've extracted a totality from a totality and made a small little island and we feel the suffering in that. Not the suffering just of the mind states, but the suffering of the isolation. The wrong view, the misunderstanding. Because it takes courage to rest back into the sacred matrix where we aren't in control and we care. Where we love the silence and we may love the manifestation. So I'd like us to, I, I didn't want to speak for really long tonight. We've had a lot of input. We have, you have, you've had a lot of input. We want tonight to be a chance to digest a little bit, to rest a little bit together. There's nothing wrong with words. They can illuminate and point. But let's keep quiet together for a bit. So what I'm going to do is read a poem to end. (coughs) And then we, Joya and I, invite you to join us to take a fancy word. We're going to take a walk together. But the fancy word is a yatra-style pilgrimage. It gives a kind of sort of special little frisson context, and the way that looks, I'll, uh, we will, for those who will join, and we hope you do, we'll do a silent walking meditation. I'll stand at the beginning of the line, and we'll form a line. Right. So first, we'll gather in a circle on the lawn, like we did. Put your coat on. Then I'll peel off and the line will follow and your job is to just check that we're kind of equidistant from the person in front and behind. Jaya will be at the end of the line and she's just finding out. And um, bring up the rear, as they say. Um, And we're aimlessly wondering, but we're doing it together. 
all right, in a pilgrimage style where we're really both going nowhere, really going nowhere. We're keeping quiet together. We're supporting each other to, yes, hold the silence, yes, keep listening. And we'll hear our mind that does its thing, liking it, not liking it, pleasant, not pleasant. You know, that's going to continue. Our freedom isn't dependent on all that stopping. But we can listen to that deeper call as we take this pilgrimage together that human beings... At least I know about human beings, maybe other creatures too, but human beings have done in different cultures and traditions to remind us of our longing for home. As somebody defined philosophy as homesickness. Right? Homesickness. Wanting to come home. So this is a poem from Pablo Neruda called Keeping Quiet. And now we will count to twelve and we will all keep still. For once on the face of the earth, let's not speak in any language. Let's stop for one second and not move our arms so much. It would be an exotic moment without rush. Without engines, we would all be together in a sudden, we would all be together in a sudden strangeness. Fishermen in the cold sea would not harm whales, and the man gathering salt would not look at his hurt hands. Those who prepare green wars, wars with gas, wars with fire, victory with no survivors, would put on clean clothes and walk about with their brothers in the shade doing nothing. What I want should not be confused with total inactivity. Life is what it's about. I want no truck with death. If we were not so single-minded about keeping our lives moving and for once could do nothing. Perhaps a huge silence might in- perhaps a huge silence might interrupt this sadness of never understanding ourselves and of threatening ourselves with death. Perhaps the earth can teach us as when everything seems dead and later proves to be alive. Now, I'll count up to 12 and you keep quiet and I will go. You want to hear it again? Okay, let's have it just once more. And now we will all, now we will count to 12 and we will all keep still. For once, on the, for once on the face of the earth, let's not speak in any language. Let's stop for one second and not move our arms so much. It would be an exotic moment without rush, without engines. We would all be together in a sudden strangeness. Fishermen in the cold sea would not harm whales, and the man gathering salt would not look at his hurt hands. Those who prepare green wars, wars with gas, wars with fire, victory with no survivors, would put on clean clothes and walk about with their brothers in the shade doing nothing. What I want should not be confused with total inactivity. 
Life is what it's about. I want no truck with death. If we were not so single-minded about keeping our lives moving and for once could do nothing. Perhaps a huge silence might interrupt this sadness of never understanding ourselves and of threatening ourselves with death. Perhaps the earth can teach us as when everything seems dead and later proves to be alive. Now, I'll count up to 12 and you keep quiet and I will go. <laughs> 